It's the My Michelle Live podcast. My Michelle Live, Psy Tech Talk, taking the God story to a geeky place. Here's Michelle. Hey, thanks for hanging out with me today. It's Tuesday. Oh, how I love Tuesday. It's SciTech Tuesday. This is where we totally geek out. We can talk about science, technology, the merge of all of these things into the intricacies of your life, escaping the confines of this weary COVID-infused world and escaping somewhere else through virtual reality, augmented reality, uh, merge of your reality and unreality. It's called the metaverse, and that's what we're taking on today on My Michelle Live. Uh, my guest is Jeff, Jeff Zwierink. I'm going to tell you about him in just a moment. We're going to delve deep and not only talk about what it is, what the metaverse is, what some of the concerns are, what some of the glorious things that might come out of the metaverse, but what about God and the metaverse? Oh, yeah, we're going to take hey, that on, too. And this is the metaverse. Let me show you around. Step right in. take on the metaverse today. Wow. What is the metaverse? What is it going to mean to your life? Why now? What do we even need it? That's what we're going to talk about today. Jeff Swierink is our guest. Now he is a author. He's a research scholar at Reasons to Believe. He's written books like Is There Life Out There? Which uh, I'm wondering, is there life in the in the metaverse? And Who's Afraid of the Multiverse? I think your next book should be Who's Afraid of the Metaverse? Jeff Swierink is with us. Thanks for joining in the fun. Hi, Michelle. This is going to be an interesting conversation because, you know, you're right. We're talking about kind of creating a new world and living there. And what does that look like? So fascinating topic with some great potential and a lot of a lot of perils as well. Indeed. Well, we're going to start with what the metaverse is. Can you give us your uh, scientific explanation of what is the metaverse? If, if, and for even people who have really delved in, they kind of get an idea of what the metaverse is. But for the average person who barely spends time on Facebook, if there are people like that and social media, they're going, what? What is the metaverse? Well, the, the, the way I would describe it, the way I think about it is, is it's kind of this online reality where you know obviously we can't make ourselves uh you know like if you date myself a little bit here like tron where the dude goes actually into the materializes inside the computer and he plays around in there but it's really that sort of feel that there's this world that is created in there and you can build stuff and you can buy parcels of uh plots of land or uh, and you can 
you know, and, and you can develop technology that allows you to interact in there. Uh, you know, there's things so like, so our, our meeting today, you know, you're on your computer, I'm on my computer, we're distant, I see a little screen, you see a screen, but in the metaverse, we could both go in, have our, our, our technology that allows us to physically experience being there, and we could go sit around a table and have this conversation instead of looking at it through a couple of computer screens. And so that's kind of the idea. It's like, how can we make a place where people can, it, it looks and feels real, but there's distance separating, you know, and and there's a whole slew of issues and whole slew of ideas. Oh, that we're going to get into those today. To I want to maybe take it to a recent film that I think encapsulates the metaverse and where we where they'd like for it to go. It's called Ready Player One. To, mm-hmm. Today, the metaverse is a little clunky and awkward. You mentioned Tron. If you saw Tron back in what was it, the eighties? I want to say. Um, well, if you saw the one from the eighties and you saw the one that was, uh, you know, from in in the two thousands, the technology and the way it looks totally different. It's the, the equivalent to me of, uh, Pong and which was a, the first video game that you could get at home. And it was basically two lines and a ball that would hit back and forth like ping pong and it was people were fascinated by it but technology exploded now video games i mean that now it's a joke and and i would say that the metaverse is a bit like that now ready player one was based on this total immersive kind of universe where you put on a device you could feel you could truly experience this 3d world um here's a trailer just to give you a little insight this is the oasis a whole virtual universe You can do anything, be anyone, without going anywhere at all. The Oasis was created by James Halliday, and what he left behind changed everything. A contest, three impossible challenges. The first to finish gets complete control of the Oasis, which means complete control of the future. Contest has got to be about connecting with someone, connecting with the world. So we take it together? Sure. Well, you get the idea. That's just to kind of set the stage so you can understand that's what they're kind of looking at that you can as zuckerberg had said you'll be able to shop visit you you mentioned plots of land even now you can uh, buy a little plot of land you can build a home you can invite people in and their avatars just appear and you can mill about and uh, this is what it looks like in fact jeff did you know that there is actually a the first wedding is going to be taking place in the metaverse it's in india um 
where the wedding gatherings currently are limited to 100 people, they have have 2,000 people invited to their virtual reception next month. So there's, there's plenty of uh, things that you can do that are beyond imagination. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting, you know, the moment you said, oh, we're having a wedding uh, in, in the metaverse or something like that. It's like, well, wow, that's kind of antithetical to what a wedding, you know, it's like wedding is two people becoming one. And there's a there's a physical, there's a relational, there's a spiritual component to that. So I'm assuming the two people that are getting married are actually physically in the same place. But, you know, it's kind of an interesting idea that you can now have people who are separated too far or you know dis- great distances or physically can't go out because of diseases or whatever, you can actually bring them together. So th- I-, I do see there's some really fascinating uh, uh, promise that yeah, comes out of stuff like this about of bringing some of that. people and allowing them to engage in a way they wouldn't otherwise be able to. That's a, that's what one thing I wanted to touch on. Um, it, it's kind of weird and scary, and we think video games, but there are other things that the metaverse can do. One news story that my team brought to my attention was a robot that is being developed, um, a drony robot-y kind of a thing. And if I have my VR all set up and I'm all virtual reality out, I can go down to the Piggly Wiggly and my robot will be controlled by me and it can get my groceries. It can, I can pay for it right there in virtual reality and then it will uh, bring them back to me. That's astounding for people who have mobility issues. And think of the miraculous nature. The lame can walk and the blind can see. If you have people who are legally blind are able to still interact. Um, There are sensors. There are uh, ways that reality is presented to them. Those who can't speak, you're able to use sign language and your avatar will speak. So you have a voice. I mean, it it does all the things Jesus did. I mean, the lame will walk, the blind will see. Well, I mean, even I, I think even bigger, some of the things they're talking about, you know, you could imagine someone whose eyes just aren't working, but yet their brain still has the capacity. You exactly. can, their technology you're developing to be able to read and input signals directly into the brain. So you could actually allow someone to see in this kind of arena in a way that they couldn't. I mean, it is, it's, it's kind of mind boggling and wow, ooh, all of the possibilities that are out there. Um, I, you know, part, I, what I, I'm trying to train myself to think both, you know, what are the, what are the positives? What could be good about this? But also let's be aware of the negatives because oh, we'll you know, definitely I think there's a, there's get into that. just living life <laughs> that we're going to allocate off to, uh, you know, the robots instead of actually living life or interacting with people. So they're you know, trying to learn to see the, both the good and the bad that can, which come is what it. we need to absolutely look at, but, um, the educational value. Um, if you've never been to the Louvre, you can go to the Louvre without leaving your living room. And you can walk through any place in the world, not just the Louvre or or the uh, the many places around the world. Uh, take a, a stint through uh, the Sahara Desert without having to worry about heat or the or, or or the dryness and needing a glass of water. But you can walk through history. What if you could walk with Jesus? 
you could see what Jesus saw, the places Jesus saw. I mean, I love history. Can you imagine that? But that that does lead to some problems, too, because whose Jesus are we going to see? <laughs> well, no, I think even beyond that, there's a question of, you know, I, I love taking vacations. And, you know, I, I happen to have been able to go to the Louvre once when I was in just out of high school. I've been to the Grand Canyon. I've been to Yellowstone. I've been some of these spectacular places in the world. And it, and it is just walking around. It's like, you know, one of the things I love about Yellowstone, it's just a unique place in the world. There are, it has, I think, uh, somewhere it's like two thirds of all the world's geothermal features. Uh, you know, so it's just a unique place and watching geysers go off and uh, just all the stuff that goes on there. Um, but it's always been a vacation. It's somewhere where, you know, I live here and it's like, ooh, that's something I can anticipate and look forward to. What I wonder is if I can go there virtual reality today and tomorrow I can go to the Grand Canyon and the next week I can walk on the moon and I can go to uh, Angel Falls and all these other places. It's like, will my ability to enjoy those things be diminished because instead of being something that I achieve and pursue and work towards and have to invest and plan. And so the I, I, I Part of the enjoyment of going to Yellowstone is that it's always part of a family vacation where we get to go out and do. Mm. And so we're building memories. But if you're just getting flooded by those memories, they become normal, ordinary, everyday experiences. And so I kind of I think it's fascinating, the educational and the opportunities. But I do wonder if there's a downside of being able to see so much that the that the everyday ordinary life becomes humdrum, mundane and depressing almost. Well, of course, because, well, we mentioned the wedding. How would you like to just have your wife be virtual? Now, how satisfying really is that, right? I mean, other than maybe a mute button once in a while, you know, which <laughs> would be kind of nice for any of us who have been in a relationship, right? Uh, but that's not how life works. It is like, to me, the, the concern about that is um, knowledge without wisdom, and think about what we have just right here in two-dimensional form. We have basically the wealth of human knowledge, and yet we're looking up goofy memes. You know, what are we really doing with it? You know, we have so much knowledge at our fingertips, and yet people don't even know the name of our vice president or uh how the immune system works, you know, we found during, during the, the COVID hoopla, we have knowledge without wisdom. So you can have the Louvre and you can have the Grand Canyon, but there's something missing. There really is not that it's not great to look and to explore, uh, to send a drone to Mars and be able to virtual reality to be able to explore. There's great things, but where this is leading us as a, as a, as a people who are addicted to technology is to a place where we're really, we're not really experiencing things. And we've seen what has happened during lockdowns and social distancing, the depression, the rise in suicide, the loneliness, because we're not really co connecting. I can have a virtual home, Jeff, and in the metaverse and I can invite you and your, you know, a, a thousand friends or five friends to come. But 
you're not going to eat the food that I just cooked for you. You're not going to really experience how soft my couch is. I'm not mm-hmm. going to be able to give you a hug. Um, you're, there's, so, there's a reason why we're created to feel and to experience. Even if you have virtual suits and smell-o-vision, there is something we were connected. We were created to connect, and, and there is something missing here. That's one issue that I have with the metaverse. How about you? No, I, I think that's true. And, uh, you know, I just, I, I, I'm reminded of, uh, you know, in Genesis, you know, we kind of have this idea that work is the thing you do to get to the things that you enjoy in life. Um, but, I, you know, I just, you know, it's like you, you've got <laughs> that's a good point. Adam put in the garden there and God tells him, hey, tend the garden that, you know, he has this career learning how to tend the garden, how to grow things, what works, how, why this, why this doesn't flourish, why this does learning how to do that. Yeah, I mean, he's maintaining what God has created. But then, then God says, all right, here's all the animals, name all those. So he's got this career in taking care of the land that he's got this career in taking care of all the animals. And then ultimately God gives, God gives him Eve. And it's like, okay, now there's, there's this, there's this presence, presentness and working the land. There's this presentness and in interacting with the animals. And ultimately there's this presentness and in, in interacting with his wife, Eve, and all of that's in the context of fellowshipping with God. And so there's part, I think one of the, one of the big concerns I have about the metaverse is that it's kind of this idea of escaping reality to make things the way we want to be instead of living in the reality that God has made for us, because that's the, that reality is the one that is going to be the most fulfilling. And so if we decide we don't want to work, or I want to be this other person, we're choosing to live other than the way God has created us. And that's ultimately going to cause harm, whether in the form of depression or addictions, or bad relationships, or or who, all, all numbers of things. And so, while there's this great potential, and I love the ideas of some of the things that we're going to do in the metaverse <laughs> yeah. or be able to do, I also think there's these great perils that we need to think pretty carefully how we proceed. Yes, well put. Uh, currently, there are uh, MR devices that are fitted with eye, face, hand, body. Uh, tracking uh, technology. So that's how when I move my head or I look around, that's where it follows me. And the better that technology, the more realistic that MR or VR experience is, right? If I just move my eyes just a little bit, I look at it, at something else. Uh, right now, it's it can still be clunky. Um, but a pilot study in the 2021 International Symposium on Wearable Computers fitted an MR device, you know, those things you see, with a EEG system that can record your brain activity. And you touched on how Amazing it could be if someone has a communication issue, can't speak, maybe immobile, uh, but their brain still works. It can tie into their brain and they can experience life So, in, in some regards. They, it, they could walk. You can fly, if for crying out loud, in the metaverse. But there are some issues with this. Facebook already has so much information on us where Centra tracks uh, what you what you look at, uh, how long you linger on a picture or a site, and then if it, it 
fills you with the kind of things that it thinks you want. It gives that information to other businesses. And so there's there's some big concerns about privacy in the metaverse. You know, that, that really is an, an issue. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I've recognized is that uh, kind of the one of the one of the pieces of resources that give provides power is data and information. Um, if you, the more you know about someone, the more you can manipulate and or serve them. And so, uh, you know, it, it, I, not too long ago, there was a, a large break in to the UC system and various other places. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is that, you know, I, I, I because I work with the UC system, I, I was ex- I was exposed to a data breach. And as far as I can tell, there's not been any sort of malicious use of that at this point. But it just struck me. Here's some, here's a group of people, whoever's behind this now has data on half the population of the United States. Um, what a great thing to, pu- to pull out and say, all right, how could they use that? That you're, you're relying on them wanting to use it for good, but in all likelihood, given the, the, the inclinations of humanity, somebody's gonna choose to use that to manipulate and gain power. And so, uh, you know, this idea of collecting data and who's gonna get that and who keeps that, uh, I, you know, th- how that plays out in a metaverse, I mean, I, it's naive to think that there aren't people who are collecting data and are going to use it for malicious purposes. And so that's something I think we need to think very seriously about because we almost kind of have this idea, well, if we just set up the technology right, every good, everything's going to work all right. The people that are going to come in or what are going to abuse the technology, the technology's a tool. People have abused tools throughout human history. There's no reason to think they're not going to abuse this tool as well. Well, let's take it up a notch. This is more than just a tool. It's an actual universe. It's, it's a world. So the big tech companies are essentially the gods of this world. I don't mean to be disrespectful or irreverent, but they are essentially the creators and they are the gods of that world. They set the worldview. And we already know that Facebook and and TikTok and Twitter, uh, they will go in and play God with our information they decide so i mean some basement dweller you know gets to decide if this is truth or if it's not even if someone like you who may be an expert or you and you have a lot of experts there at reasons to believe people who are absolutely top of their field they know their stuff but yet someone some young college kid can look at it what you write and say oh this is truth this is this isn't truth this is this this needs to be canceled let's take it out out. So they get to decide what the moral code is and what gets to be talked about. The, these are soulless companies who, without a, as we see in our world, without a solid, um, provable, work, th- work, able to work through and consistent worldview, everything falls apart. How will that work in the metaverse? Well, that, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I think that's a great question to ask because you know, again, the, the metaverse is is this arena where you know you're kind of developing a place where there's a landscape where you can do various things. They want to make it look more and more realistic, and they want to okay. provide certain things. Ultimately, what can go on in the metaverse is is ultimately going to be determined by the technology and what sort of technology we apply and and allow in there. 
but ultimately the rules are going to be are going to come down to what people choose to do now whether that's the community of people who are engaged in there get to decide. Uh, I do get the sense, at least there's talk in that the metaverse, that there's that there's no owner, that there's no one person who's in charge or even a company that's in charge. Yeah, but, but still not supposed somebody's to be the gonna case. set the rules in there. Yeah, come and on, that's the case it's, it's supposedly. And humans have not shown a good capacity to set the rules, even in this universe in which we live. So. <laughs> yeah. Um look at at the internet. It's anyone has access, but who really has control? You know, you oh. have a few companies, a few tech giants that can monopolize, well, have already monopolized like social media and makes it almost impossible for others to come in. And if you think differently, then you're canceled. So, you know, yeah, I think there's a concern there. Well, well, and, and I think that's even that, that highlights the problem very, very well, because the Internet, when it was first, I, to the best of my understanding, what it was originally for was a way to allow people to inter exchange research and ideas quickly. And so it was this, hey, we've got this technology that allows us to connect people up via a computer network so that they can exchange information more easily. And it was set up with the idea of making things, being able to share easily. And now look at all of the things we have to put in place to keep people from abusing it so that they don't send spam and malware and, uh, you know, even just go in and hack your data. We, we've got all of these safeguards that we have to build on what was originally designed and the intent was to facilitate the exchange of knowledge and increase our ability to understand this world in which we live. And yet now we've got to deal with all of these, the, the I don't want, bureaucracy is not quite the right word, but there's all of this overhead because people will use it, people will and have used it maliciously. You know, so we're talking about the multiverse and all these great things. And even, I, I really do believe that's what people want to happen. But people are involved, and so these things will happen, and uh, we haven't really thought about that. And and and, I, and why I think that's important is because there, the worldview you bring into that is going to seriously yeah. affect how you think is the best way to deal with all that. Exactly. Uh, I've often said on this show one reason why talking about uh, the God story and science and technology is so important is that our technology is excelling while our morality uh, and our moral compass is spinning out of the control. Our morality is kind of slumping. If those two things aren't equal, at least uh, there are concerns. So you think, what is the real purpose of the metaverse is it really there as a spin and, and it can be used for some beautifully benevolent wonderful things uh connecting having people do things that they that uh, their physicality would limit them in disabilities but there are some some huge concerns now this is a a real story that facebook has knows that instagram for example is toxic for teen girls um their documents show yeah they know they're addicted and it's causing depression and uh, kids are spending entirely too much time on it but it is geared 
towards giving your kids more and more and dragging them in all of the the TikTok videos, for example, you know, the uh, Instagram uh, messages and videos, it sucks you into that world. And the more they suck you in, the more they own you, the more they know about you, the more money they can make from you. So it's not there to say, hey, we want to share the gospel of good news, whatever their good news might be. It's not necessary. It's not there and created for benevolence. So there are some real big things: privacy issues, as I mentioned, addiction issues, uh, some of the the concerns with being too immersed. Uh, there was one reporter that I was just watching a video before our interview, Jeff, who spent twenty four hours in virtual reality. Now I have a hard time watching a 3d movie with those creepy glasses on, but, uh, she, she only was allowing herself to take off the VR. If she went to the bathroom or if she was eating, she even tried to do it while she was asleep. And she said after 24 hours, she felt sick. It just, it, it, it's not natural. Um, and some people say, well, we'll evolve, we'll adapt. Right. (laughs) I just don't see that. Well, that, that's actually one question I, I have is, will we create a system of, or a society of haves and have nots? Um, I, I, love, uh, I love roller coasters, always have my whole life. Uh, uh, one of the things I love about living in California is that's where a lot <laughs> of the roller coasters are originated. And some of the things they figure out how to do on a roller coaster are truly phenomenal and just, wow. Um, but I've, I've also been to parks where they simulate riding on roller coasters with screens. And what I found in oh, myself, and I don't have a yes. tremendous lot of data, but I can go ride roller coasters. And outside of the fact I'm getting older and my body can't physically take it anymore. Um, when I go ride the virtual roller coasters, there's something about what I see on the screen doesn't match what my body's doing. And I get headaches and it just it's my body doesn't respond well. Now, okay, you can argue, I never need to go ride roller coasters. That's not a big deal. But it is true. There are people who, by being in VR, you know, wearing virtual reality glasses, they physically, their bodies, there's something in there that just says it doesn't work. And so if things move to where you need to be in the metaverse to work, there's a whole group of people who will be excluded because they physically can't, their bodies don't allow them to be in there. And so, you know, these are just the sort of things where, it's a good thing, but are we going to be excluding people because this is where everybody wants to be and now certain people just can't be there? So these, these are the kinds of things that we need to think or, about. Yeah. And they're not just pie in the sky, oh, maybe. It's, I think it's. I think I'd heard it was somewhere on the order of 25% of people can't do virtual reality because they end up getting sick from it. I understand that, but then there's a, a good portion of people who can't function in the real world. You know, there are physical and mental and emotional limitations that the metaverse could open them up to. So while that's a powerful argument, I think that that the other part of what you alluded to is much more, it deserves much more attention. And that's that we are, even if you can do virtual reality, we know it's not real your maybe your emotions might get caught up and you might think it's real and you might get sucked into that world uh we see that with pornography addictions we see that with a lot of other uh 
visual type addictions, but your body knows it's not real. Uh, People who engage in pornography have a hard time coming back to reality. They have a hard time being able to have normal relationships. There's been, uh, there's going to be a movie that's coming out uh, that where women who were associated with Hugh Hefner and the Playboy Mansion are going to, are talking about how horrifying it really was and the the ugliness and and how they couldn't function and how they had a body image and issues after escaping that 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 misogynistic life and we look at it as as sexy and glamorous but really it's dark and heinous so while the metaverse is going to have some spectacular experiences and I, i think there'll be things that i will really enjoy walking through history uh i love museums uh, um, history especially because that's some place I can't visit mm-hmm. but there are things that that not even the most advanced AI could create and that's where I wanted to get to God and the metaverse uh, we walk through life and, and, and a, 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 like our reality, um, artificial reality cannot substitute a God that intervenes in the lives of mankind through his Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit works in me, uh, an example, you and I were talking about this in, uh, uh, just last year about J.C., the musician that created this this God song, and it sounds so beautiful and emotive and moving, and yet you listen to it and say, it doesn't get it. There, there's no real depth of meaning. There's no uh, real biblical meaning. There's no theology. There's no oomph. It's, it's you know, a piece of dry toast with a beautiful um, melody. That's what happens when Siri was uh, being tested with, uh, with theological questions. She diverted because she doesn't really have answers. And when she did give answers, they were milk toast answers. The metaverse is going to be uh, amazing, just like the internet is amazing. As you said, it's a tool. But without real life, without a real God, is it what kind of universe is it really going to be? And what does that tell us about the God story? Yeah, I, I think that's that's kind of the big question before us as we're pursuing a lot of these technologies. And, uh, you know, my, my contention is we need to think seriously, not only about what worldview we have, but what worldview we really want to be true. Because if Christianity is true, and that's the one I'm going to argue, that's what you want to be true. Because if Christianity is true, um, there is a God who cares about us that we can't just go through. It's not like we're just kind of muddling through life, trying to figure out what's best. There is a, a, a revelation. God has created us to know him. And the, the, what that allows us to do is say, okay, if God has created us to know him, the big question we ask is, does this new technology, new invention, whatever, does it help us draw closer to him or is it likely to serve as a counterfeit that draws us away from him? 
And so as a Christian, I can come in and say, all right, hey, this technology allows doctors who are trained and can solve diseases to uh, take their expertise and help uh, tribes in Africa and, and the, the cast out in India, because you no longer have to physically travel there, you can get you can interact in the metaverse and get that expertise spread around the world and it can do yeah. great good. But it also says, hey, at the end of the day, the metaverse is an, is an artificial reality. I want to use it as a tool to serve people. I don't want to use it as an arena where I'm building my identity and saying, yeah, this is life. If it becomes that, it has now become a counterfeit God that gets in the way of me knowing God. And so that's a, that's a question every worldview has got to answer. If this is reality, what, what's going to come out? And, and my contention is, that if we want to develop the metaverse and AI and stuff, we really want Christianity to be true because it is the worldview that allows us to take advantage of all the good and to mitigate all the harm that can come. And that that's a that's a powerful argument to me for the truth of Christianity. Because up to this point, we've been kind of talking about the academics of the metaverse. What can it be? What the good, the bad, the ugly? But if we were created with purpose and part of that purpose uh, takes into account all of our senses, all of the universe, everything that's in it, then the metaverse will leave us empty. And that's uh, maybe just another way to another, another way for us to recognize our need for a savior. Um, if we're not too busy being distracted by the glitz and glamour of the metaverse, it gives us pause to go, you know what, there's something missing here. Uh, everything that, that we are kind of works together. And, and another thing that is a, maybe a challenge, whether we're in the metaverse or we're engaged in the internet, whatever we're we're putting our mind and our time towards uh, oftentimes uh, the uh, president of reasons to believe Hugh Ross has been on our show and has said that there uh, you'll hear often there's two books of, of God, there's the Bible and there's a book of nature. When we're in the metaverse, we're not, we might be able to see nature, but we're not experiencing it. We're not touching the dirt. Our, our feet aren't in the grass. We're not smelling the, the blossoms in the springtime or the sea waft from, from the ocean. We're not experiencing that. There is something spectacular when you are really amongst nature. I mean, looking at it is beautiful and there's no picture or even augmented reality that can duplicate what you experience in real life. Just this, just last week, I went on a fishing trip, Jeff. Do you fish? I do. I love to fish. It's really hard to do in Southern California. There's just a lot of people. So. Oh, come up. I swear. Come up. We'll take you fishing. <laughs> Seriously, went out on what's called the Ho River on the peninsula and it's it's fairly remote there near the rainforest. Uh, got up really early. It's still fog settling on on the water. The smells, the cold, everything about it was so amazing. Very few people seeing nature, just being there, experiencing it. Even the the real danger about maybe being out in the middle and the rushing of the of the water as I'm in my waders. Ex exhilarating but realizing that we were placed 
in this universe that was specifically fine-tuned for human life for our benefit, not so that a company can make money, not just so that we can get our, our word out and connect with people, but so that we can connect with God. There's a purpose to every part of this universe, from the outskirts of, of the galaxy to the rocks that I'm tumbling over in the whole river. There's purpose there. That is glorious. That's the kind of purpose that as much fun and, and benefit as we get from the metaverse, we'll never find. I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, you know, it's like there, there is just something about being out in the world that, huh. I mean, whether it's the, the nibble of the fish and it's like, oh, that's so exciting. Or, <laughs> oh, hey, there's a deer or a bear over in the, in the woods. It's, there's just something in, in, in a very real sense, it seems like in the metaverse, we're trying to replicate what we see, and it will always be a poor replication because we're not going to get all of what God's designed, what God provides in this real world. Oh my gosh, that's we have to take that on before we before we say goodbye today. It's like biomimicry. We've often talked about biomimicry, and I mean the the things from um, zippers and Velcro to reflective materials and airplanes, everything that we have, this amazing technology, much like the metaverse, everything that we see, even if it's augmented and it's imaginative and the colors are brighter or whatever it may be, it still goes back to there's nothing new under the sun. You're not creating a whole new universe, sweetheart. It's already been created. I don't care how matrix you get on me and how real it seems. There's something that to be said about everything has already been created. And without a creator, the metaverse didn't just happen. The metaverse didn't, you know, I didn't just shake my phone really hard and suddenly, boom, there's a metaverse with a meta, meta world and meta houses. It didn't just happen that way. Um, there's so much of the God story that you can see in the creation of a metaverse. I'll give you the final word. Yeah, well, it, 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 you know, your, your comment about biomimicry, it just reminds me, you know, where Yoda is talking to Luke, you know, always a master and an apprentice there are that, you know, <laughs> if, if we're looking at this world and trying to replicate what it is, whether it be, uh, you know, a zipper or Velcro, because we see something like, or whether we're building a universe to replicate what's in there, we're modeling ourselves after the master. And that points to there being a master, the God who created the universe for us to enjoy. And so, uh, you know, it, there, there's some great things that I think the metaverse will bring. I think it's going to ultimately do a lot more damage to us as a, as a society. Uh, but I'm optimistic about some of the good things. But ultimately, it'll show that God is who he says he is. And he still loves us and cares about us and has provided a way for us to know him. And that's that's what it all comes down to. Actually, extra points for a Geeky Yoda reference. So there you go. You've, you've scored good points today and in the Michelle verse. Thank you, Jeff Zwiebrink, for joining in the fun today. If you go to My Michelle Live, if you're not already there, go to My Michelle Live and you can get more information, links to Reasons to Believe, and uh, we'll also have links to some of Jeff's books. Uh, Who's Afraid of the Multiverse is a fun book. I think you need to write uh, Who's Afraid of the Metaverse. That should be the next one there. Uh, in this series, right? 
Just say it. I'll get, I'll get to work on that right there now. There you go. Thank you so much. <laughs> it was good to talk with you today. Remember, wherever you're listening, reading, or watching, the God story is what we're all about. For more about the God story, go to My Michelle Live. Like us, share us, get the God story out there. Support others who are talking about it because in this time in history, we are so void sometimes of, of that truth. But remember, the truth will set you free. I'm Michelle Mendoza. This is my Michelle Live. Thanks for listening. More SciTech Talk at MyMichelleLive.com.